Welcome to Whom, an Australian podcast focused on bringing creative names to light. At Whom, we ask the real questions. That would inform what question you would ask everyone, right? I was just thinking, like, do you like cheese? (laughs) We also make sure we touch on the real issues. Get away with anything if you've got enough money, enough rock. Yeah, what's currency to them? How many hairs you got in your mane? More hairs in my mane. (laughs) But one thing's for sure. Our guests promise to open up and tell you stories all about themselves that will send you on an emotional roller coaster. Born in South Africa and moving to Brisbane in 2020, this actress is sure to take you through a spiral of emotions. Our guest today is Sanel Rottenbach. Without further ado, here's your hosts, Ben and Ben. Whom episode four, all right, we made it to episode four. We've got Zanel here. We've got a lot of information about you already, and I'm really excited to hear your stories. Uh, ever since we basically asked you to come on the show and you wanted to come on, uh, you've you've wanted to make your stories known about, about basically your growing up and uh, your career, your various little skill sets and party tricks, which I'm excited <laughs> to hear about a bit more. So uh, we'll start right at the beginning. First of all, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. How are you guys? Yeah. Very well. Thank it's you. going good so yeah. far. It's uh, We've heard so much about a lot of people on this podcast so far. So you're going to be a fine addition. I'm oh, feeling awesome. that now. All right. Let's start <laughs> off. So where were you born? Uh, I was born in Durban in South Africa. Um, then I moved to Pretoria when I was 14. Pretoria? Yeah. Do okay. you know where Pretoria is? We've got a few trips that are going through there that I sell uh, at the moment, yeah, oh, wow. yeah, and a few cruises from Durban as well. So I'm oh, cool. We got back from South Africa right before COVID. We were at South Africa, so we were in Zimbabwe, and then we went down to South Africa, Cape Town, Vic Falls, and oh, Tuvok. Cape Town is like the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess so. You moved to uh, Pretoria. Mm-hmm. What did you do? How old were you at this stage? Uh, I was 14 and um, we basically moved because my dad's business was in Pretoria. So um, he was traveling from Durban to Pretoria weekly and that's like a seven hour drive. So eventually we just moved. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Good, dec- yeah. <laughs> Good decision for, for, you, for you guys as well? Or? Yeah, um, mm, I don't know. My sister and I were pretty much against it. We were like little teenagers and you know how teenage girls are. They don't really like change. So, (laughs) Um, yeah, we fought it. (laughs) Can't do it. I love change, but that's because of ADHD. So, I'm... Oh, cool. I was born by it. (laughs) (laughs) I was molded by it. No, um, okay. So, when you're a kid, I guess you started being creative then when you're a kid. Like, uh, you you made your parents pay for you to perform. We made my whole family pay. So every single time there'd be a family gathering, my cousins and I would put on a show. And we, okay, it wasn't a lot of money to us back then it was, but we would make each person pay us a fee to perform. (laughs) It was probably like 25 cents if you do the conversion. Yeah. But yeah, that's just because RANS, you need to subtract a zero and yeah it's sad it's sad basically what did that what would that currency buy you over there that 25 cents what did you use that money for 
Um, so that would be two rand fifty, and I didn't buy anything with it. I put it in my piggy bank to save it. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it probably wouldn't be worth much now. But <laughs> yeah, it's still there. I still have my piggy bank, and it's still in there. And you had so you went through a lot of laundry, is what you're telling me. Yeah, like yeah. I changed my clothes for all my characters. Yeah, so yeah. mid show you'd quickly run off, get changed, and yeah, like <laughs> we. I mean, there wasn't any empty space. Like, we plan it. Like, one of my cousins, you know, would be doing a thing, then I go and get changed, and then they go and get changed. So, it was a whole thing. Yeah, like, right. we planned it. How many of you were there? Um, okay, so there was usually four of us, sometimes five. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Is that when the, uh, the passion for acting started? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh my gosh. I was like, like I, you couldn't get me off a stage. <laughs> and how did you manage to get uh, your whole family to, to agree to, to um, paying you money? That seems like it would be pretty difficult um, to, to sell, uh. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I think they were just like, I think they just did it to be supportive, I guess. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Because two rand fifty wouldn't, it still wouldn't be much. Hey, over there, like, is that what's that? A lollipop, maybe? Like, oh, um, that would probably be like a tip for um a car guard. A car guard. Yeah. So in South Africa, you have car guards, and like, if you park um in a shopping center parking lot, there will usually be a car guard who just like watches your car, and then they help you reverse out of the parking. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Really, yeah, I didn't. I would have never guessed that you would have said car guard <laughs> when I said, "How much is this worth?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so we should really pay car guards more. Actually, they do a lot of work over there. They hey? do. Yeah. I mean, our Uber driver ran three red lights because he said that if you stop your car in South Africa, there's a good chance that someone will try and come and steal it from you. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Like, yeah. I yeah. thought he was just exaggerating. I was like, no. When I was this in Pretoria or Cape Town? Ah, this was in Joburg. Oh yeah, definitely in Joburg. Yeah, like Cape Town is a little bit safer, but in Joburg, like you can't stop. Um, if there was a red light, I would stop. Um, about twenty meters before the red lights, and then I would go forward and reverse, and go forward and reverse until the light went green. So wow. that you're always moving so that, like, if there's someone who wants to steal a car, they won't steal yours because it's moving. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> yeah. <crazy>. <laughs> <laughs> Just so these tricks. If you're ever in South Africa, call me. I'll give you tricks. <laughs> Sweet. And yeah. you moved to um, Brisbane quite, quite recently in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. In March 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and you said you did it the day before the border closure? Yeah. So um, I can't remember what date I arrived, but um, basically the next day they weren't allowing people in without them having to isolate. So, yeah, it was crazy. And you mentioned here that if you hadn't, been if you hadn't gotten into Australia that you'd be stuck with no electricity basically for for six hours of a day 
Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so in um, Centurion, the town that I live, I mean, it's beautiful. It's like, you know, um, I mean, it's really different to Brisbane City, but it's like a usual city. It's beautiful. Um, built up everything. You have everything you need, but... There is a problem with the electricity provider. So they do a thing called load shedding where they take away the electricity for um, certain periods of time to like ease the ease the amount of production, I guess. And the amount of load shedding that people are going through now is around six hours per day. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. That's common, like, throughout South Africa, or is that just where you were from? I actually don't know. Um, I know in Cape Town it's happening, and I know in Joburg it's been happening. Wow. Yeah. That's all. So. Yeah. Yeah, right. Here we are having, like, hour showers and, like, <laughs> 50 <laughs> lights on in the house. I feel bad now. Yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't be able to deal with that too badly. <laughs> Winter here is kind of killing me at the moment. I've got the heater running all day, so... Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't be able to do it. I'd freeze to death. <laughs> Cold showers are just awful. We used to have them a lot because um, criminals would also, like, steal the copper cables. Yeah. So then, um, I know, does that happen here as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the electricity, you know, would go out until they fix that. So. Crazy. Yeah. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about, um, if we go Back a little bit to uh, your time in school. Yeah. Um, uh, terrible, but uh, you said that uh, you went through quite a lot of bullying whilst in school. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about that, um, sort of how that started and, and what impact that had on you uh, growing up? Yeah, so basically I think what happened um, is that Everything was going great. Um, I switched schools and I went to another school. My parents thought that it would be a really good um, move for us. So in that school, um, yeah, people started making fun of me because of my posture and I was just like, oh, I don't care, I'm fine. Um, That went on for a few years and then it, slowly just like tore down um my self-esteem and then when we moved to Pretoria um I went to three schools there and each school that I went to um like by that time I was in a little bit of a depression so wherever I was like I didn't really make people feel good to be around me and I don't blame them um so it's people didn't really want to be friends with me and then I ended up going to um so these were all in private schools so my parents sent me to a public school and that was just absolutely brutal we thought you know things would change as a different type of school it was so brutal um people would like tear pieces of paper out of their school books and like roll them in little balls and throw them at me during class. Um, this one guy, he um, he even sprayed like one of his 
paper balls with deodorant and then lit it on fire and pretended to throw it at me just to like watch me freak out. Um, it was really, really bu- brutal. Yeah. That yeah. was crazy. That was a crazy school. And that was from grade five to seven or was that eight to ten, that one? That one was eight to ten. Yeah. So after grade ten, did things start looking up? Yeah, um, I went to, so my parents took me out of that school. I went to um, another school called Damlin. It was kind of like a college where you could do your year 12 through that college. And um, basically all the people who hated school were in that school. So we kind of got along and People kind of understood me, <laughs> so um, yeah, things turned, things looked up from that point on, yeah. And um, you you spoke a little bit about how from the bullying uh, you developed OCD, essentially, uh, yeah. because of it. Um, and then that pretty much took over your life, as, as you said. Um, yeah. So tell us a bit about about that and, and, and how that developed? So um, OCD stands for obsessive compulsive disorder. So um, how it happens, I think, from how my psychologist that I went to when I was younger, how she explained it to me is that you perceive danger when there is no danger. And so you get Intru- what they call intrusive thoughts, which are thoughts that seem like they don't come from yourself. It seems like it comes from someone else or somewhere else. And it's like, and those thoughts result in compulsion. So you feel like if you don't do something, then there's going to be a consequence. So for example, if I don't, um, one of my compulsions was to brush my teeth either five to seven times in the morning. And if I didn't do that, then I'd have a bad day at, at school or like the day at school would be worse than it usually is or someone would bring this thing up that I didn't want them to bring up. Um, And basically, like, it got to a point where the OCD literally took over everything. Like, it took over how many times I blinked in a minute. It took over all my movements, um, what I wore, what I ate. I once watched a movie three times in a row because of it, just like ridiculous things so that it made me do. You would literally be thinking all day about how many times you're blinking and yeah, like consciously. Yeah, like along with various things, like wow. whatever. I would have intrusive thoughts literally all day, every day. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> it was. How it is was it now, so I guess? Has it changed? Yeah, um, so I sometimes have intrusive thoughts, but I deal with them differently. I don't have intrusive thoughts all day. Um, Like sometimes if I'm going to shoot something or if there's going to be something that I'm anxious about that I need to do, I'll sometimes get them, but then I'll like say a prayer to myself, like, thank you that I'm free from this. Thank you that these don't mean anything. And then I'll go on with my day. So you've found a pretty good mental coping mechanism for it. Yeah. That's good. Um, just had a question handed here from Siobhan. Uh, so why Australia? Why would you move to Australia in 2020? So it wasn't really my decision. My whole family moved to Australia. 
Um, so they wanted to move somewhere out of South Africa um, and they, my sister chose Australia. Um, so my parents followed her, my other sister followed her and I was the last one. I didn't really want to move, but I thought that they may make things, it may be more difficult um, now that COVID is here, things may get more difficult. I never thought that there would be a border closure, but I thought if I don't do it now, I might not ever do it. Yeah. And things might get a lot worse in South Africa, so I just did it. What have you found most welcoming about Brisbane so far? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think people in the creative industry, um, they're always looking to make their own way in the industry because um, there's tons of creators but maybe there's not as much work for all of them so they just make their own work and they're constantly looking for people to work with so mm. the friends that I've made here and the people that I've been working with here are it's just so I'm just so grateful that I know them and that they want to work with me it's awesome <laughs> Wait. Yeah. I've got one, one more question from Siobhan, but we'll ask that after uh, we get through the next part because that's going to sort of summarise the next part. Um, you said, so you thought you, mentally, you thought you could never be an actress because of your movements and, and I guess how you let OCD, by the sounds of it, it's how you let OCD take control of you in a way. Yeah. And how did you overcome that and your self-esteem? So um, it took, uh, many years of trying to heal from this. Um, I went to a lot of different psychologists, but I wasn't ready to talk about it. And I kind of thought I was crazy because I didn't know what this was um, until I um, met someone. Um, oh, I grew up Christian, so I was always going to church. And then I met someone from church and she said, and I told her what I was doing and she said, oh, that's OCD. I also had it. And I was like, what? There's a name for this? <laughs> I just thought I was going insane. Um, so, yeah, I was like finding out that there is that other people have this thing and it doesn't mean that I'm crazy really helped. And I started um, I started praying a lot to just get over this because conventional ways of psychologists and coping mechanisms weren't really helping. Um, and it was like, as I was spending more and more time with God, he was kind of showing me, um, like making me feel more and more special about myself. Um, and then I started looking up scripture on who God says he is and who he says um, people are. So that really helped as well with my self-esteem. Um, yeah, I really think that it was God who ultimately um, did the healing in me because like all these conventional ways didn't work at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's awesome. Um, we're l last episode, we had someone who is very open about religion and, you know, all the different types of religions and stuff like that. So it's cool to see 
Um, but he had a very different opinion to you. So it's, <laughs> okay. it's, it's, it's cool to see how you've found a way to believe and how it's helped you mentally. It's yeah. good to see because a lot of people are like, yeah, he's not real. And then others are like, yeah, he's helped me. So, yeah, yeah it's that's cool. Um, I'll ask this later, this one. The later one? Okay. Yeah, it's a later one. So, one. as a result of that, um, you said that you went from essentially failing year 12 uh, yeah. and, and this sort of helped you get to a point where um, you then – decided to do a business certificate and uh, you actually graduated top of the class out of 200 people as a result of as a result of this yeah um tell us a little bit about that and where you went from there with psychology and becoming a instructional designer yeah so um i one of the compulsions that i had at school was to not do any schoolwork if i could help it um, so obviously I became really behind and, um, as I started, um, gaining more confidence, I started studying really hard and, um, then, yeah, I graduated top of my class, um, for the business certificate because I have failed year 12. I had to, um, do something to get matric exemption and this business certificate offered you, um, that qualification and it offered me matric exemption. Matric means that it's like our year 12 in South Africa and oh. exemption means that you can go into uni afterwards. Right, okay, yeah. It's um, like TAFE, yeah? Like oh, okay. you did like a TAFE, like you came here, you didn't finish year 12, you did like a TAFE certificate. Oh, cool. And then you can go Probably. to university. Yes. Like it sounds very similar to that here, yeah. Mm. That does sound exactly. Yeah, cool. Like so, yeah. You, wow, and... You finished top 200. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I studied psychology because at that point I didn't think I could be an actress at all. Um, and then I went into instructional design, um, which really helped me like figure out storytelling, figure out how to get um, messages across to people in a really simple way. And then I thought like, I need to do I need to do acting. I need to see if I can do it. And then I studied acting and um I've been pursuing it since I moved here. What have you yeah, what I guess what have you done? Touch on that. What have you done in Brisbane with acting? Um, so I signed with an agent, um, and he has some really interesting ideas on like marketing, which I'm really excited about. And then I've been doing my own work with other creatives. So um, experimenting in the 48-hour film festival yeah. with other creatives and um, writing and producing short films. Uh, so what advice would you have for people uh, that have experienced the things that you've gone through, such as bullying and, and depression in school? Um, I would say that... So when in my experience, I never told anyone, I never spoke to anyone who could basically help and, or make things different. I never really was open with my parents. So I would say be open either with your parents or with um, an adult that you trust or an older person that you trust. Um, 
there's nothing to feel ashamed or embarrassed about because I think it happens to a lot of people and it's not really a reflection on you. It's more a reflection on the people who do these things. Um, and if, if you speak to teachers and they don't listen, you, like, you have a voice to make yourself and what you're going through heard. Um, there were times when I spoke to teachers and they didn't listen for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't want to get parents angry. Um, but you have you have a right to make your voice heard um, if you're going through things like this. Um, even if you go to even if you go to the principal, even if you go to the Department of Education, even if you go to Channel Nine, like you have a right to get what is happening to you across and for someone to do something to stop what is happening um also I would say to forgive the people that are doing this um because I don't think that they know the impact that it's having on people who are being bullied and I think if they did know they wouldn't do it and if they do know what they're doing they're probably going through more pain than they're inflicting um i've heard of that as well i've heard they bully you because them they're mentally not doing well yeah so they take it out on other people yeah um yeah all right let's turn it to lighter on a lighter note uh so before you moved to australia back in 2017 you started is that when you first started training as an actress yeah yeah tell us what that was like um, so I trained at Indigo View, um, a really, really good academy. Um, anyone in South Africa should look that up. Um, they're really, really good. So I did six months with them. And uh, after that, I did my, oh, it was my second play at um, the Joburg Theatre. And it was just the most incredible experience. Like, I remember um, beforehand going like the audience was about to come into the theater and I was telling the director, I don't, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know. And he was like, it's okay. Like, just, just, you're going to be okay. Just do your thing. And then afterwards, I didn't want to get off there. Like, I was just so happy. I couldn't sleep that night and I just couldn't wait to do more. So that's what really got you into it. Yeah. Well, in before you signed up to become an actress, what in your mind was like? I really want to do this. Like, was it something that happened, or is it something you've always wanted to be? Um, it's something that I've always wanted to be, like since I can remember. Um, yeah, like I just want to make people feel the way that I felt watching those iconic movies, like Dirty Dancing, Bring It On um mean girls um <laughs> yeah like I want to you know I want to be a part of you know moving people and a part of um like the culture that's being um created in society because movies film and tv that brings a huge that plays a huge part in creating the culture that we live in and when did you start your business and, and what um, sort of led you towards doing that? 
so um, the instructional design business. So I started that in South Africa basically because if in South Africa it's really difficult to um, be successful unless you're an entrepreneur or a criminal and I thought I'd be an entrepreneur and not a criminal. (laughs) Smart. (laughs) It's a good choice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, And then I ended up earning money from um, overseas, which was really nice because um, it's really nice to earn dollars and spend in rands. So... So it's like great. four times as much, yeah, or like ten times as much, ten almost. Times as much. Yeah, ten times as much. Yeah. So, what exactly did you do as an instructional designer? Um. So, I would um. I would take um. Basically, traditional methods of face-to-face learning materials, and I create online courses out of those. Yeah, and I consult people on how to do that themselves if they wanted to try and do that themselves. And you had other countries buying this off you. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. um, is that still going? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm actually working um, as an instructional designer full-time. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And That's is this your then. own company or is this now you're doing it for someone else? I'm doing it for someone else. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, alrighty. So... Some of your acting accomplishments. Let's start in 2019. Okay. Tell us about 2019. So this was our first experience with um, the 48-hour film festival in South Africa. Um, I, like, joined a group who had done it a couple of times. So they knew what they were doing, thankfully. So I joined their group as a co-writer and a bit part in it. And we came third for best use of character, um, which was really exciting because it's a huge amount of people join that festival every year. Um, So that was really cool. And then uh, moving on to 2021, um, you wrote and produced a short film. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so... um, some actors and I, we um, we produced a short film for the Onset Coaching Short Film Festival in 2021. Um, I didn't write it though. Uh, one of my friends wrote it, um, and then we there was an ensemble cast, and I was part of the ensemble, and we won um, best ensemble at that oh. short film festival. Sounds like you've been doing pretty well since you moved to Australia so <laughs> far. Yeah. Oh, and then a good move after all. Then I saw recently from a lot of your posts uh, about Over the Next Horizon and, and Hero. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell me about those. Yeah. Um, so Over the Next Horizon, um, that was directed by um, a really talented director. He directed this as it's his first feature film that he made and he directed it like completely improv so all of the scenes are completely improv by all of the actors um so that was really a really interesting um process to be a part of (laughs) so he just said like this is what i want the film to be just do it (laughs) make make it up as you go (laughs) it was it was a bit more specific than that he had um 
so he would map out the scenes and then he would say, okay, this is what happened before and this is where we need to be. And this is, um, this is how, you know, everyone's feeling at the moment. And um, he might tell us about what the next step in the story is going to be. And then he was like, okay, you can, you can play this however you want. Just go for it. So... Did you ever accidentally like kill off a character by mistake? Oh no! No, no. <laughs> shame. He like had that's a, he had a little bit more control. All right, it's yeah. gonna say like he's not meant to die till like three three uh, scenes down the track. Why'd you just why'd you kill him? <laughs> no, no. So um, now some questions. Why uh, why did you start the business? Oh, um, that was just. Um, so in South Africa, basically each year, um, people go through, companies go through retrenchment. So it's a lot safer, safer if you are an entrepreneur and you have your own thing going that you're, um, in control of. So yeah, that's basically why I started it. If, if someone was to ask you how you knew that it was God that was helping you, how would you answer that? So the reason that I know was God helping me is because of um, the the things that I've I had experienced with him experienced with him along the way, like the personal experiences that I've had with him Um, in terms of like factual things about, you know, I have no idea, like I can't prove factual things. All I can go on is my personal experiences with God. And he just kept on, um, as I started spending time with them and as I started praying to him and talking to him, he just kept on showing me um, how special he thought I was. And he kept on doing special things for me. Um, it was so crazy. Like the one day I had, this was um, many years later when I was working. I had the worst day at work. Um, I ended up crying at work, not at work. Um, away from work where people couldn't see me but it was a really bad day and um, I was going to like um, we call it like home group where I don't know if you've heard of home group before like there's church and then like in the middle of the week you might meet and like in a smaller group of people Mm. with a smaller group of people and they usually have snacks and I thought oh I'd love chocolate snacks tonight and then I showed up there and there were chocolate cupcakes and we went through a circle saying, what are you grateful for? And I said, I'm grateful for the chocolate cupcakes and I really wanted them tonight. And then the girl who made them said that she had vanilla cupcakes left over from the night before that she had baked and she was going to bring these, but God told her to make chocolate cupcakes that day, (laughs) the next day. Yeah, so... Yeah, right. Yeah. Just like these little things that um, he like. You didn't tell him he wanted chocolate snacks today, right? I didn't tell them, no. Maybe he's surprising <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For what we've got planned. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about uh, you've got special talents and skills. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, I've noticed, of course, from your Instagram and and your posts and whatnot, you're a a lady of many talents. 
and <laughs> it looks like this is one of your big hobbies. So tell us about your aerial hobbies that you do. Yeah, um, I've been doing aerial silks and pole dancing for a few years. Um, I obviously stopped during COVID and I'm like the size of spaghetti. So I lost a lot of muscle. Um, so I'm busy building it all back now. Um, yeah, so it's really fun. But I'm wanting to get a l- get to where I was um, before COVID. And where, just where, working like, was that as in weight muscle-wise? Uh, not so much weight muscle-wise, but I think um, performance ability-wise. Um, yeah, I was a lot more um, fit. I think I was able to do a little bit more than I can do now, so... Um, I'm just working on getting as supple as I was, as flexible as I was, and as strong as I was. Cool. And um, what's next for you in in acting? Um, So my friend and I are writing a short film together, um, and we're we're in pre-production, so we're talking about um, shooting it in... September and we're really excited about this one I think it's going to be pretty it's a comedy which I love um so it's going to be really exciting and um another group of friends and I are writing a web series and shooting that together as well um which probably will be shooting late this year early next year any sneak peeks on this on this show uh um I didn't ask them if I could like it's really really early so right, okay. I don't I can't say much about it. Keep it on the down low. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Secret secret. <laughs> <laughs> um what do you feel is your greatest accomplishment so far? Um ah oh, okay. I think getting into the um thinking and the mindset that you need to have to be a creative and be an actor. Like, before, I was all, like, woe is me. Everything that could happen to me, that was bad, happened to me. Um, And I was all about, you know, me, 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 me. Oh, I can't do anything. But um, the mindset that I have now is that if I can't do anything, I need to learn how to do it. And um, I can learn how to do it. And just I've learned how to shift what how I thought before into um, not blaming anyone and taking responsibility and um, making my own way in the industry. Awesome, awesome. And yeah. do you have a life motto? Oh, <gasps> Ooh, that's a good question. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You have to sum um, everything up in one sentence. <laughs> okay. Um Um, wait. <laughs> beetroot and custard. Beetroot and custard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Never eat beetroot and custard. It's pink, okay? It looks like it could be, you know, interesting because it's pink, but it's not. Um, custard is yellow, so you know you need to stay away from it anyways. Never <laughs> eat beetroot and custard. <laughs> so stay away, from, stay away from pinks and yellows. Yeah. <laughs> Unless pinks you're putting yellows. the pink in your hair or you're wearing pink. Yeah, that's totally fine. Never eat anything pink or yellow. Nothing pink or yellow. Did you actually have a motto you wanted to say or are you happy with that? Uh, I think my motto would probably be um, 
It would probably be, there's a verse in the Bible which says, um, seek the kingdom of God and all of these things. Um, seek first the f- kingdom of God and all of these things will be added, which basically means um, if you seek God first, all of the things that you're worrying about will fall into place. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, one more question here from our, our other host who couldn't join us today. Who is your biggest creative inspiration? Uh, um, so whenever I want to learn anything, I usually watch movies from Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Ryan Gosling, um, I've gone a blank of <laughs> who else I watch, but, oh, uh, and Quentin Tarantino, like, whenever I want to learn how to, like, put a story together in an interesting way, I watch those people, or whenever I want to learn how to act in an interesting way, I watch those people, um, yeah. Cool. Okay, and, um, is there anything else? like to say to people struggling with bullying or OCD that you feel might help them in getting better or being able to pursue their own dreams? Um, I think that there is always a life after bullying and bullying usually comes in life stages and there's always going to be a life after that. So it's not like in terms of bullying whatever you're experiencing now you're not going to experience it for the rest of your life and it will get better um in terms of OCD I feel like I didn't like get myself out of it so it's difficult for me to give advice but if you have if you know anyone dealing with OCD never give them ideas for compulsions because they will get those intrusive thoughts like in their head and then they will do those compulsions so for example um a psychologist once told me that um like do you do your compulsions at school and I said no and then she said do you feel like you need to make up for it and do like a lot of them at home and I was like no but thanks for giving me that idea like never give anyone ideas for compulsions (laughs) <laughs> so your next few months was you doing that at home? Oh, thankfully, I had like so many intrusive thoughts that I literally forgot about what she said. Super <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Your OCD stopped <laughs> from listening to the doctor. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last part of our show, uh, our mm. podcast. First of all, thank you for coming on today. It's been oh. so fun hearing about your story and I hope you feel a little bit better getting it out there. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And hopefully people listen and understand that, you know, you can get through the bullying, you can get past everything. Yeah. Now we're going to do our our last segment, which is called The Audition. (gasps) Okay. And you're going to have to present to us. Mm -hmm. So here's here's the the scenario. Mm -hmm. You've just received an Oscar, Mm -hmm. but I want to believe that it's the worst thing you've ever experienced getting in the world. Okay. Um, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I 
didn't know Oscars had nuts in them, but um, and thank you so much to the person who engraved it and um, put my name as Janelle. <laughs> that was really lovely, even though, you know, I've been nominated five times already. Um, but this is my first Oscar that I've ever won. And um, after I take it to my engraving shop down the road, I will cherish it forever. <laughs> that was good. Well done. <laughs> Thanks for listening in. Head over to our Facebook or Instagram at Whom Podcast for highlights and more. See you all next week with another amazing guest.